So glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas to me so that you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to find all the latest bargains that our deal diggers dig up to save you money. How about running off with your money, stealing your money? In 20 minutes in today's Clark Regis moment, you are not going to believe a new unfolding scandal involving Wells Fargo. It is rotten terrible, and I'll fill you in on it in just 20 minutes. And in a half hour, jobs are materializing all over the place. And I want to tell you one trend with jobs that could be very much to your potential benefit. Right now, I want to talk about something that is for your benefit, but it won't feel like it at the time you're doing it. If you fly in frequently, security at the airport is going through a significant change. And it's because of intelligence from multiple intelligence services around the world that there is a new technique that those that wish us harm, particularly supposedly from ISIS, have a way of bearing explosives inside smaller electronic devices and that those devices can then be used to bring down an airplane. So as a result, there are new security requirements and they have been phasing in airport by airport in the United States. And I just want to make sure that you understand how this plays out. A lot of things that you may have in the past been able to leave in your baggage, your carry-on, whatever, that's not going to be anymore. And in fact, the way things are arranged is you put them in one of those bins at security. That is changing as well. It is one of those things that the first time or second time you do it, it'll be confusing. By the third time, it'll be routine. And I have experienced it already, and it was not that disruptive. But basically what happens is your electronics, even something like a book reader, have to be placed in a bin where there's nothing obstructing them at all. And the past tablets may have been able to stay in your carry-on no more. Anything like that, uh, laptops already, but nothing can be sitting on top of them or blocking any side or up or down view of it as it's screened. The screeners airport by airport who look at the monitors as your luggage goes through have been retrained to be able to spot explosive materials in electronics. Now, I know that we've been through so many things like when we went through going to the small liquids, you know, 3.4 ounces or less, and having just one little baggie of liquids that you can take in a carry-on. And at first it seemed impossible to some people and then it became easy and routine 
and this will as well. But one thing, if you travel a number of times a year, let's say six or more, you should really think about joining the Trusted Traveler program. It's called PreCheck or Global Entry, where a lot of the security requirements required otherwise are not of you because you have been already screened more in depth as to your background and the rest. $17 a year for one program, 20 for the other, and you go through expedited security lines to boot. Shoes don't come off, that kind of thing. Brian is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Brian. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Brian. How can I be of service to you? So I have a question about authorized users on credit cards, and I've heard it you know, several times already on your show. Um, when I was 16 years old, my dad had set me up as an authorized user, which was fantastic. You know, it's you lowered my credit utilization ratio, so, you know, it's, it's helped tremendously financially in my life. And I'd like to pay that forward to my daughter. Now, I might be jumping the gun a little bit because she's only five and a half. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, I think you are like, jumping the gun five and a half. <laughs> I mean... So, because I'm in the, in the finance world, I mean, I I take finances and, and credit, and you know, kind of seriously. But I I, I didn't know if, if it mattered. Um, I you know, I obviously would like to set her up as an authorized user on my card, but I don't know. Does it matter in terms of the the history? If I do it now, can she accumulate that history until she's like 18 or 20 or whenever? That is a or- phenomenal question, and generally the entry point age that people usually look at for having a child as an authorized user is age 15 or 16. Okay. And it it's a point where hopefully a child is more mature and able to handle having that plastic. It also allows them, the most important thing for them to do is it establishes a track record that they're borrowing from you, essentially. And you already have years of history with the card. And so I I think that it might be overdoing it to do that for an extremely young child. I know of no reason you couldn't unless an issuer has guidelines that prohibit it. But as far as doing so, most issuers will allow you to add one starting as a teenager, okay. typically at age 13 to 15. Okay. Because they've had this before where parents are like, hmm, why don't I just, like, my kid's three years old now, why don't I get him a card? <laughs> and well, so that's why they've established the minimums. Yeah, and I, uh, cause I figured when I was applying for other credits, like, you know, car loans and stuff like that, it, even though I had an authorized user, so I had great credit score, they were saying that I didn't have the history, so they still needed a co-signer for me for my very first vehicle. And that's kind of why I was trying to think about setting her up now in, in hopes of accumulating that history so she wouldn't right. Well, you are you are obviously a, an advanced planner, so <laughs> I would say that if you did it at age 13, that's plenty early enough. Okay. Well, that, that answers my question. And I would not give her possession of the plastic till, based on how you gauge her maturity, somewhere around 16. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if I set her up now, I was just going to, as soon as the card came in, I was just going to cut it up, and it would just be on her history. She would never have any idea that she even had that. Yeah, I think that's fine. I just think you wait a little while longer because five and a half, that's just, that's too young, I think, even if she's not in possession. Sam is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Sam. Hi, Clark. How's it going? Great, thank you. Good. I have a question for you. My dad travels a lot on business, and um, he books particularly through one hotel specifically for their reward points. So when he's not on business, he can have a lot of free um, stays at that hotel chain. And, And recently, he was curious if he was with the best hotel chain and which one offers the best reward program. Is that something you could help with? Yeah, historically... People who, you know, I I follow those message boards, and historically people have felt quite strongly that the Starwood program was the best. Starwood? Starwood, yeah, but now that has merged with Marriott. And so we are in a position now where there are three major hotel groups that control the overwhelming number of hotel chains and rooms that frequent business travelers use. So we've got Marriott Starwood is one, uh, Hilton is another, and the third, it's killing me, I can't remember right now, the third big hotel chain group. They're going to be more upset with me than I am that I can't remember right now. (laughs) But anyway, what, what chain is your dad earning in? Uh, Holiday Inn. Oh, international! Yeah, that's the other one. IHC, Holiday Inn is part of IHC. So okay, um, I think it has to do more with the redemption levels for the hotels that he likes. You know, in each program of the three big hotel operators, you have uh, hotel redemption levels that are based on the category of hotel he chooses to redeem at. So I know someone who stays on, you know, on the work dime at very, very nice hotels, accumulates Uh the points, and then he redeems very heavily at the lower category properties that that chain has where it's far fewer points for a night's stay. Oh, that makes sense. So as an example, if you look at the largest hotel program, which is the Marriott Starwood, they have hotels that you redeem for as little as typically like 7,500 points for a night to hotels that are 40,000 points for a night. Okay. I gotcha. So that makes sense. Do you know between those three uh, major players, does it really matter which one he's in or... Or is, is there one that's better than the other besides choosing the better hotel? Or are they pretty much comparable? Well, you know, again, reading all the message boards, consistently people say that that the Starwood, Starwood. Starwood American Express card tied in also with earning points on the Marriott Starwood hotel chain program, that those in combination give you the best bang for your buck. Wonderful. He will be very happy to hear this. So thank you very much for your help. I appreciate it. Sure. Now, let me tell you, see, I pay for my own hotels for work and my own hotels for travel, for, you know, vacation, personal. 
And so for me, I don't worry about earning anybody's hotel points ever because if you're paying for your own rooms for work and for play, then finding the cheapest rate at a decent hotel, regardless of the chain, is more worthwhile for me than earning points. But if you're in a position where your work pays for your stays, that's where this becomes so key. Kat is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kat. Hey, Clark. So you've got an offer from Verizon you're intrigued by. Tell me about it. They're offering a $10 a month discount, but I have to give them either my debit card number or my uh, checking account number. And I'm not very comfortable doing that. Well, that anytime you allow a company to draft your account, you're giving up rights and it creates danger. Will, will Verizon let you do this by charging to a credit card or only if you do a debit card or checking account? Yeah, we're already doing the credit card, and that dis- that did not work. We didn't get the discount. Ah. All right. So if you wanted to do this, the smart way to do it, because that's $120 a year in your pocket, right? Yeah. So the smart way to do it is to set up a separate uh, no-cost checking account, you know, a fee-free checking account. And you can do that with an online bank or uh, if you do business with a bank or credit union that allows free checking accounts, set up a separate one and allow them to draft from that one and just make sure you leave enough money in it so that money's there for them to draft once a month. And why is separating it better? Because that way, if they're messing up or your account gets compromised in some way because you've allowed them to come in and draft, there's not much they can get at. Because if you're only using it as a transaction account for that, then you've segregated out your money and you protected yourself from anything that could go wrong. That sounds like a good compromise. So that way you get the 120 a year, you don't pay anything for the checking account, and you lower the risk to you so very much. When does it ever end? There's yet a new scandal involving Wells Fargo that shows the cultural rot at that bank runs deep, deep, deep. The criminal behavior of that bank is so extreme and how weird nobody ever goes to prison. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. So Wells Fargo admitted this after it became a news story. 600,000 that they know of so far borrowers of car loans from Wells Fargo were also being billed in a criminal conspiracy, alleged criminal conspiracy, for auto insurance that they didn't need and didn't want. And then in turn, if then being billed for insurance they didn't need or didn't want put them to a point where they couldn't make their payments, their vehicles were being repossessed. And Wells Fargo now has put out a news release saying they're going to give so far, $80 million in refunds and compensation. It is unbelievable that this was not an isolated thing or for a very short period of time. This continued till earlier this year.
Now, think about how much has been going on with Wells Fargo with unbelievable behavior, stealing their customers' money, setting up accounts people didn't want by the millions. This bank is rotten to the core. And after the first scandal already has been in the news, this one continued going on. What does that tell you? It tells you that these bankers know there's no consequences to evil, rotten, crooked, or criminal behavior. Why? Because everybody looks the other way. People need to go to jail, and you should think about doing business with this bank. So glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, and when you have a question for me, go to Clark.com slash ask. Also, back at our main site, Clark.com, if you scroll partway down that main page, you'll see how you can get off-air advice available for free from a member of our team 45 hours each week. You may check right when you can call in for free. It's nine hours a day, Monday to Friday. So something bugging you? You don't know how to fix something in your life? Call us. Let's see if we can be of service to you. So seems everywhere I go, the help wanted signs are getting bigger and more desperate. There's a breakfast place that I've gone to forever. And I remember there was a time late last decade and to early this decade where they had a sign that said no applications accepted. That so many people were so desperately looking for work that they weren't even taking job applications. Now, I've noticed over the last several years The signs for people looking for work are getting bigger and bigger. Now there's this big sign. Instead of listing what specials they have and all that, hiring all shifts and lists all the jobs they're hiring for and what the minimum starting wage is, which is substantially above the minimum wage. Employers, especially in restaurants and service businesses, are struggling to fill their workforces. I was talking to a relative of my wife's who's in the restaurant business, and he was going over with me the ratios of how many applicants he has to interview to find people to hire, and of the ones he hires, how many actually show up for their first day of work. I cannot imagine this. I cannot imagine this. Somebody goes for an interview, they're offered a job, they say yes, They don't show up on their first day of work, and they never tell the employer they're not coming to work? Okay, first, some common decency here. Please, if there's a job that you are applying for, and they make an offer to you, and you accept it, and you later change your mind, please, (laughs) please call them and tell them that you're not taking the job because you got a better opportunity elsewhere or whatever. Now, I know that employers created this rudeness with how many employers there are that if you go for an interview and they decide not to hire you, they never even tell you. You never hear from them. Mr. Ms. Employer, that arrogant rudeness that you're doing at your end has sent a signal to workers, 
that they can be as equally rude back to you. But don't do it if you're the employee, even if the employer's that dumb or rude, because you never know when you might say, hey, I, you know, I should have taken that job over there. And because not only did you blow them off, you never told them you were blowing, blowing them off, what happens? You're dead with that employer. That's not going to happen even if later you want to work there. But I just say that as a preamble because the whole power of the equation has changed. Employers that looked at us as surplus, as useless, as interchangeable replacement units now are like, please, please come to work for us. I mean, look at the example with Amazon. Amazon is trying all in like a day to get into a dance with 50,000 potential new applicants. They're so short of workers. So they're doing this huge hiring event on Thursday, and they're scattered around the country. Maybe I should give the locations quickly. It was Wednesday. Wednesday night. Did I say Thursday? It's Wednesday. Um, Baltimore, then a suburb of Boston, Buffalo, Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, suburb of Chicago, suburb of Cincinnati, suburb of Seattle, suburb of Columbus, Ohio, suburb of Indianapolis, suburb of Milwaukee, Oklahoma City, and then a suburb of the New York City metro area in New Jersey. And I think about how hiring changes over time, what people get hired for, what kind of jobs there are. And one of the places on this list is the Milwaukee suburb is Kenosha, Wisconsin, which has a history going back, I don't know if it's 80 years, 100 years, in the car business. And as the car business has become less significant in the country, you've got now different employers, different kinds of work coming to the fore. There's been so much talk about all the retailers that are laying people off. It might surprise you that net hiring and retail, forgetting Amazon, not including Amazon, is actually up. It's just who's doing well in retail and who's not changes. But anyway, if you're interested in seeing what Amazon's got at these regional hiring centers, we have a guide at Clark.com, step-by-step what you need to know about potentially getting a job with Amazon if that's what you wish to do. I was in Europe last week and I walked by, I was uh, I was staying at a hotel near the airport in um, Barcelona, Spain because I had an early morning flight the next day and I come out of a subway station and there was a building that was the biggest industrial building I'd ever seen in Europe. Never seen anything this big in Europe. And I start walking at about a 10-minute walk to the hotel from the subway stop. And then at the far corner of the building, it says Amazon Fulfillment. And this thing was so gigantic, I couldn't even believe it. I mean, Amazon is a company on the rise, even though they still have trouble making a decent profit. 
and they will continue to be a major employer and the jobs are so different in nature than traditional retail though Celine is with us on the Clark Howard show hello Celine hi Clark it's a delight to speak with you well it's great to have you here and you just got a new job yes I did it's been a long search but I finally landed one <laughs> I'm so glad how can I be of help so I'm wondering, because um, I'm, I'm 41 years old, and I... You look so I'm much not. younger. You look like you're oh, still in your late you. 20s. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, I've been out of work for a while, and I'm trying to figure out what I should do with my retirement savings, or, or how I should save for retirement, rather. Um, I, in one of your investment guides, you state that EFTs are superior to mutual funds, and so I'm wondering, would you recommend that for me at my age? Say that again. What what did what is superior to mutual funds? ETF. Oh, ETFs. Okay, so ETFs are lower cost than mutual funds and are superior in certain situations. But let's talk about your situation. The place you're now working, and congratulations, you have this job. Thank you. Do they offer you a retirement plan at the place of employment? Actually, they do. They offer a traditional and a Roth 401k. Okay, and, 41, and definitely do the the Roth version of the 401k. Oh, right. Unless you're earning huge amounts of money at this job. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's not happening. Okay, so you do the, the Roth 401k, and if they're like most employer plans, mm-hmm. I find that the easiest investment option unless you are really into investing and have a pretty moderate to high level of knowledge about investing, I would just go all in to the target retirement fund that would be like 25 years out from now because they tend to be in five-year increments. Mm -hmm. So you just pick a year closest to when you might likely retire in 25 years, 27 years, something like that. And that will be the easiest choice because then you don't have to try to figure out how to rebalance your investments over time if one thing's doing well and something else isn't. Your only job is to just stash money into it. (laughs) Excellent. I like that. And I should have enough money to even put into a Roth uh, IRA as well. And Okay, you're my hero. Because you put a lot of money in that Roth 401k, and then on top of it, you do a Roth IRA. You're playing so much catch-up with your time and building more and more money. Right. It gives you so much more freedom with your future. Excellent. So if you were in a Roth IRA, if you were doing the Roth 401k and you, let's say they... They have a target retirement fund. You could do things a little out of the box with your Roth IRA if you wanted to. Do things oh. a little differently, if you wished. And it all depends on how much time you want to spend trying to build a portfolio. Again, if this isn't your thing, if you're not really into investing, you could mimic the same thing in your Roth IRA as you do in your Roth 401k and do a target retirement fund in each of them. 
Now, would the Roth IRA be a good place to consider the ETF we discussed earlier? You could certainly do that, and you could build an ETF portfolio that, because uh, the ETFs are so inexpensive, there's so little management expense with them, you could easily, in those, do a mix where you do um, an international fund, a broad domestic stock fund, you could do, it's good to have a bond fund mixed in there, a small company fund, index fund, ETF, would be potentially a good idea. You could even throw in a little bit of real estate. So you could do a wide variety of ETFs so you're broadly diversified at the extremely low management expenses that you have with a lot of the ETFs. So that is a very viable strategy. And again, congratulations on the job, Celine. Daryl's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Daryl. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you, Clark? Good, thank you. You are interested in taking me down a path that I have loved for myself, and that is being in the solar business. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in getting some solar panels for our house here, but I don't have, I don't want to take money out of our, you know, Roth and our different investments to do it. So I was looking into financing solar panels. So that's really where my question was. So I have, I've had solar for years and anybody getting solar now, like you, Daryl, is in so much better a position because the, the solar panels are so much cheaper, so much more efficient as well than when I installed solar six years ago. So your timing is fantastic. As far as financing, many of the solar companies will offer financing to you, but it's not going to be usually as cheap as if you have a good relationship with a local credit union or local bank that will finance them for you. Okay. What kind of interest rate does the solar company offer for the panels. Well, well, I've got three bids out, uh, and I'm waiting, waiting for all the bids. But I know one one company has offered uh, 2.99%. As long as uh, they're not marking up the panels in order to give you what is a subsidized interest rate, and that's a fixed rate, take it. Okay. And that would be superior to you going and arranging your own financing and. One thing I'll tell you about solar, it has been great, but don't automatically believe their estimates or assumptions about how much power you'll generate and how little your bills will be. The big complaint I've had from people is that the solar companies overpromise how much energy you'll save and how much money you'll save. So be realistic on that side of it. Seth is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Seth understand Hello, you're Clark, looking at doing a mortgage refi. Yeah, well, we have the ability to uh, either pay down, or add more to our current payment, or should we refinance from a 30 to a 15 when the rates are exactly the same as what we've got on our 30? No, no reason to refi. Okay. So you, you, have, you must have an extraordinarily low rate on your 30. Uh, it- we've got a 4. Now, you may be able to do better than that okay. on a 15. The, the spread between 15s and 30s is about the largest it's been 
in history, and a lot of um, a lot of local financial institutions, especially credit unions, are writing 15-year loans at just a hair over three percent. Oh wow! Okay. So if you were able to lower almost a point, you you would likely find that you'd be able to make back the closing costs in a reasonable right. period of time and make it worth saving the money to go from a 30 to a 15. So do the old Clark Howard model and shop around them. That is so true. And if it if it doesn't work out and you end up staying in the 30 and just paying extra, creating essentially your own 15-year loan, Right. I want to ask you a couple of questions first to make sure that makes sense. Okay. So... How are you doing saving for retirement? We're maxing out our 401ks, you know, with the full match, and then we're putting in to a, a, a Roth IRA. Okay, so you want, well. <laughs> you you pay extra on that mortgage all you want. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, you answer that question differently than probably 9 out of 10 people. Most people get fixated with getting rid of their mortgage but haven't been doing the heavy lifting, saving for retirement. Here you are maxing out a 401k and doing a Roth IRA, and I assume no other big debts other than your mortgage? No, nothing else other than the mortgage. So if you want to pay that mortgage off quicker, that is a great plan, a great idea, and go for it every day of the week. What I never want someone to do, though, is what most people's situation is, they have very little money saved, but they have this fixation on being mortgage debt-free. One without the other is not really a victory. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and Travel Escape. Sign up now. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to clark.com newsletters.